You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC Podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. And uh, hey, the Packers won a playoff game. How about that? Really exciting stuff. The Packers defeating the Seahawks 28-23 to at Lambeau. And uh, as, as Kevin Clark, someone, someone, someone I follow on Twitter often says that the Seahawks have never played in a normal game ever. And that trend continued uh, in this game. And we will get to all of that and more ahead. Follow the show at the APC pod. I am Zach, the yellow weasel Rapport uh, <laughs> at Zach Rapport on Twitter in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, piloting the ship here uh, today. And uh, it was an exciting evening of football. And as I tweeted, I woke up this morning and there was no clear recovery for uh, for me and my my body and my mental state. And I am joined by the same uh, trusty playoff crew here, Alex Patakis, out in New York. How you doing, man? I'm okay. I'm also recovering. Um, the uh, I don't know that that was a, that was a tough game to get through. Really stressful. Um, I would say I felt more like I played in that game than watched that game <laughs> today. Um, in terms of like my energy level and really just my overall motivation to do anything that didn't have to do with that game. You uh, um, you played receiver, right? When you played football. Yeah, yeah. The Packers, uh, they could have used a receiver, so uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Give them yeah a call. maybe uh, <laughs> in a different life, perhaps. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm thrilled overall. I would say. Moving over to Ben Foldy, eating some sloppy joes just before we hit record here. Not uh, not intercontinental, but sticking uh, Shea American. How you doing? Good. <laughs> Eat, ate some sloppy joes. <laughs> Now we're all up to speed. Before we we get started with our our note nugs as we normally do, I want a, a quick reminder that the uh, Cycle for Survival Memorial Sloan Kettering fundraiser is still going on. Um, that's going on through Alex March, early March. Yeah, uh, the second weekend in March is when it takes place. So that, in theory, would just gotcha. be the deadline. Yeah, so it'll be pinned up there uh, up until then um, on on my Twitter. Um, and Pratik Patel's Twitter, which I think is Patel ESPN. Um, yep. And yeah, you know, plenty of ways to find it. If you Google it, I'm sure there's links as well just to give uh, generic donations because it's a massive thing. So, yeah. And I saw following uh, your specific fundraiser page, Alex, that um, there were a number of, uh, of uh, donations from APC listeners, which is really cool. So uh, keep it up, guys, if uh, if you can. Again, Alex Patakis, at Alex Patakis on Twitter, the pinned tweet in his profile uh, to make a donation there. And um, with that, let's just get right into, into Note Nugs. Note Nugs, Notable Nuggets, hashtag Note Nugs. Tweet at us after every single game. Let us know what you thought. Give us your bite size takeaway. And um, I will 
I'll get the ball rolling here. I wanted to start my note nug with a trivia question, Alex, because I, I I know you you love when I do that. By the way, these these numbers come courtesy of the official APC Pod Stats and Information Department. That's my dog, uh, Sonny. So check uh, our Instagram for pics of him. He is very cute at the APC Pod on Instagram for no reason. Uh, but uh, guys, can you tell me what percentage of third downs the Packers converted? on offense during the regular season. So third down efficiency in the 2019 regular season. Alex. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to say the 30%. 30%. Ben, what do you got? I was going to go low, but I don't think I was going to go that low. Um, I'll say 46. 46. The answer is 36. We'll meet you in the middle. 36%. Uh, which is uh, bottom 10 in the league for sure. Um, not good. Not not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Uh, but on Sunday against the, the Seahawks, the Packers converted on 64% of third down attempts. They were 9 of 14, so much, much better. And eight of those nine were uh, Aaron Rodgers, who got a rare QB sneak for, for one, and then, and then the other seven came through the air. Rodgers was uh, seven of nine passing on third down with a touchdown, 155.6 passer rating for whatever that's worth. Three of those clutch completions on third down coming in the fourth quarter when they really needed it most. So, um, Alex, as you and I were talking, getting ready for the show, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more Rodgers later on the show. So I'll stop short and I'll just say that the third down efficiency took a big swing in the opposite direction in this game. And it was really, really refreshing to, you know, keep see drives being kept alive. That was fun. I'm hoping that it's a sustainable trend and that um, there won't be a regression to the mean next week in San Francisco, but uh, we shall see. So wait, uh, just how does that 64%, where does that finish in the normal run of third down efficiency? I mean, it's that would be like far and away first place. Oh, okay. So you're saying like an unsustainable uh, statistical anomaly. Yeah, it is. It is a bit of an anomaly. The high... For the season, for that long sample size, uh, Kansas City um, has the high with forty-seven point six percent, which is which is crazy to on the season be almost at fifty percent. So I guess what that really shows is that I have no idea what a normal uh, third down efficiency. I think is. a lot of people don't actually. It's just one of those stats that uh, you know you only think about it when it's really bad or really good. Um, so forty-seven point six percent is Kansas City at, at for in first place for the. 2019 regular season San Francisco as we all care to learn about them this week uh one two three four five fifth place uh with 45.4 percent so um that doesn't bode well but more on that uh later in the week <laughs> yeah not worried about that still enjoying that same glass of scotch <laughs> sipping it very slowly one uh one <laughs> one little just like wet the tongue like every couple hours <laughs> it's a slow burn did you know Aaron Rodgers likes scotch? I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that is Aaron Andrews was asking for his motto. That is the one thing he says probably more than yeah. anything now, right? There's there's no other like current catchphrase other than I guess wash your hands, wash your yeah. Butt. That was Devontae um, Adams though. He can't take credit for that. Right, right. But like, if you had to, I don't know. That's like the one consistent thing I feel like that that exists this year with the Packers. Yeah, his catchphrase is just. It's just scotch, scotch, scotch down into my belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Alex, uh, give me your note dog, man. What do you got? 
my note nug will center around the the flower. Um, one Matt Lafleur, um, because I think the flower. In this... <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think in this game he was uh, <laughs> the the brilliant. Um, no, I I was. Uh, there were so many things about. Okay, so like we're scarred, right, from like McCarthy era Packers Seahawks games, and there were so many things happening towards the end of this game that just felt exactly like that. But um, I think that um, more than we've seen from the Packers in quite some time, there was clear evidence of a bye week benefiting a team in terms of game planning. I think he struck a perfect balance of how uh, a new coach with a, a good scheme and a veteran quarterback who has a lot to add can work together to come up with a game plan. We've since learned that uh, a few of the big plays from Devontae Adams were things that Rodgers and Adams like came to him with to implement during the, uh, the bye. And of course, he gave them freedom to... But he also made some really good calls throughout that game and more than anything, stayed aggressive um, and enabled the Packers to be making throws down the field on, on third and longs and things like that, um, which is a tip of the cap because like that's what's been missing with McCarthy. And I think a McCarthy-era team probably would have kind of just tried to hang on long enough, and I don't think they would have been able to, um, even with this defense, because... The Seahawks finally discovered the way they should have been playing all season, which is just to let Russell Wilson go. Um, and it took them very while, a long time to do that. Yeah. So I will I say all of that and I have to because I was going to use this as my note nug, but it's a, it's bad. I didn't want to focus on the one negative thing. The play that won them the game is the only call that I would consider questionable. And I don't mean the referees uh, and a questionable spot. Um, and I mean that that play was seemed like it was so clearly designed to let Jimmy Graham beat a former team, and that that's the NFC Championship game on the line. Uh, Matt Lafleur lived to tell the tale, but man, drawing <laughs> one up for Jimmy in that spot is a gutsy, gutsy move. Jimmy Graham, uh, I never I'm doubted. Just you. very glad they got it. <laughs> I think that's like the only part of the game where I'd be like, really, that's that's our decision right there. Um, but no, I I I. That made, I know Seattle's depleted, but um, that made me feel better about them going into San Francisco because I really do believe now they will at least have a completely different game plan and they have a full understanding that they're not going to beat them playing anything like they played in the regular season. Yeah. yeah. Ben, you called it. It was the Jimmy Graham revenge game. And I never doubted him for a second. This whole season, total believer. Yep. No, we just we've just been... Been riding high on, on the the G train there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised your notable nug didn't have to do anything with uh, a certain uh, Sternberger. Yeah, he got in there. He was he's looking good. I think that uh, uh, he will be. He 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 may prove uh, useful next week. Uh, not to get off topic, but uh, another guy who who got in there who is going to be proved to be useful down the stretch here is uh, Swerve and Irvin, man. Ben, your guy, he's in there. Yeah, he's a, he's a good football player. Who'd have thunk that? It, you know, who'd have thunk that an all-time yardage leader at at his school, which I I don't look that up, but I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> he's close. I think he might be. Wait, let's find this out. No, no, do not look that up. <laughs> I got it. Google break. I can't. I'm a journalist. I can't just like throw things out there. We should have Google break music, actually. All right, Google break. 
Oh, he had a single game school record for 300 all purpose yards. There you go. Finished his senior year with 1601. Don't spoil it now. Like every week, let's just get like a peel back, get another little extra Tyler, you know, uh, uh, Irvin nugget. Um, that's good for now. I feel satiated. Let's move on to uh, <laughs> notable nuggets. Ben, as you uh, have your research face there on, on the Google search, what's your notable nugget? I think a lot of people probably, this is their notable nugget, but how nice did it feel to have uh, Jared Veld here to step in last hey. night? I think he really, he really tilted the field. There was no reason to assume that he would play as well as he did. Um, it's not to say he was perfect, but considering the circumstances, I, I think he had a great game and um, was, yeah, was a really a useful and helpful piece moving forward. Maybe it's semantics. I don't know if he, I don't know if he actually tilted the field so much as he stopped uh, the absence of Bulaga from being a uh, a uh, a field tilting problem in the wrong direction. Does that make but sense? But is that not tilting the field? Well, I don't know. I mean, Which like, if tilting, in his man? absence, the field is tilted. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, so, and I guess, you know, it's him and Irvin. I mean, it's just, and I, I this might have even been my notable nugget last week, but it's it's nice to have a active management team that is looking for value throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think in some ways, Ted Thompson was looking for value throughout the season. He just was overemphasizing the uh, certain elements of that value over others. Yeah. And not to, uh, not to get out ahead of our skis here, but a, a lot of seasons, I mean, Super Bowl seasons, certainly, but also deep playoff seasons. There's always a, in, in, in green Bay, there's always that that signing or two in the middle of the season that's unheralded at first that winds up being a, a big deal. I mean, Howard Green comes to mind in 2010. Um, that's a Super Bowl team, obviously. And and as I said, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but certainly uh, Gutekunst and and company uh, deserve a, a lot of credit for bringing those two guys in. Uh, Valdir, um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers uh, in his post game press conference commented that uh, Valdir told him that he was watching from the stands. Uh, in the first game of the year, he was at Chicago uh, to watch that game. And uh, yeah, what a long, strange trip it's been. Now he's blocking for Aaron Rodgers. So uh, also, side note, how much would it suck, uh, speaking of Bulaga, to uh, get get all psyched up for a playoff game, make it the whole week, everyone's dropping from the flu, and, and you've, you've, uh, you've managed to avoid it, and then you wake up on game day and you can't go. Awful. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, I, I think Fox showed that clip, too, of... Uh... It seemed like what he came out to warm up. He was suited up, and then at one point yep. he kind of just like looked over and gave him like the "I'm done" signal. Yeah, and uh, went back into the locker room. I mean, when you're that sick, it's almost like you're kind of dizzy. You know, standing up. I can't imagine trying to <laughs> yeah. you know, crouch and then get into formation and stand up really quick and do all that stuff. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he he knew quickly that uh, it was not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen for him. Yeah, didn't have to deal with it. What seemed like especially angry Jadevian Clowney uh, for a large portion of that game, yeah, um, kept like bumping his helmet into his head, like mad about you know like things that didn't go their way. Yeah, grabbing well, he, people uh, they, by the head. They talked about it enough uh, uh, in the booth, but he was dealing with uh, some kind of core muscle injury for the whole game, so maybe that had something to do with it. He's just uh, either trying to psych himself up to get through some pain or maybe he was uh, making mistakes as a result uh, of the injury and and that was why i don't know did you see what he said after the game clowny pretty frustrated yeah no 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 
Uh, he said something because I think his contract might be up. He said something how he ain't going to play for no garbage team next year. He wants to be with a contender, which would kind of make huh. it seem like he doesn't consider Seattle a contender <laughs> because not once did he mention coming back to his own team or like saying, I like it here, or, you know, I'm currently here, etc. Um, so the one good thing about last night is that. If I, if I, you know, and I know I asked Mina this, but if I were a Seahawks fan, I would want, I would want to be done with that coaching staff at this point. Uh, like it was, it was basically like she predicted, there was a point where Russell Wilson started kind of taking the game over himself and not yeah. just handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch to run into nothing at however old he is. Alex, you mentioned that point in the game too, but it's, it's worth mentioning that there's that point in every Seahawks game, it seems like. It's just yeah. like the way that they roll. They're they're not good for a while, and then Russell Wilson's like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." My it's like Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago, basically. Except it's so. I mean, I think uh, Wilson is actually overcoming much worse coaching than Aaron Rodgers ever was. Yeah, like I don't I don't care how how much people were frustrated with Mike McCarthy. You know, I don't I don't remember that many games where he was rushing a you know half dead running back off the scrap heap, and <laughs> you know yeah. I hear you, but even even Mina, I feel like was uh, was defending Pete Carroll a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't think they're going to move on from him. But uh, if I, you know, I we went through this, right? We went through what it looks like to watch a coach who's kind of not decided to adapt, whether that's in the staff that he trusts to to run significant parts of his football team, or whether that's to even, you know, uncritic or critically evaluate the football team that he has. Um yeah. and I, I see a lot of uh signs of McCarthyism uh going on in the uh Seahawks organization right now. Yeah, I mean if anything they must be considering the future. I mean, I guess the difference is that Carroll doesn't call plays, but Brian Schottenheimer, I feel like, is someone who has to be feeling like he's gonna get a call that he's you know, he's he's done. <laughs> Visible, visible eye roll from Ben Foldy as you say his name. I mean, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna get the. I mean, you know, and and his response could easily be, you know, this team's pretty hurt, but so what? Like, yeah, but you, 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 you go to war them. with the army you got, you know? He, yeah, you got to adjust to them. Is that being a Rumsfeldism? If yeah. he, if the answer to your <laughs> offensive line and and your entire backfield being hurt is to still run the ball consistently no, through two exactly. playoff games, averaging less than two yards a carry, and yet you still like insist on seeing them fail before you turn basically the whole entire game plan over to Russell Wilson, like at the very least, McCarthy didn't do that. He kind of did the opposite, where the, the yeah. Packers ran the ball less than anybody in the NFL last year, which yeah. is yeah they didn't have balance and that's why they sucked. But at, at least they realized, well, we're not going to get it done that way. So, Aaron, do what you can. Like, yeah. it's crazy to me. Like, we should kind of. I feel I feel really good about the win, but the Seahawks made it pretty easy. Yeah, I think when it still was aggravating as hell and like, yeah, completely unsatisfying. I mean, I I I don't know if I can think. I mean, if I wanted to melt the 2019 Packers season into a nutshell in like one game, that that game might be it. Of just kind of like. 55 minutes of playcock agitation and like holding on at the end, you know, just cut. I mean, it's like, it's almost like every season where you knew 
like there were seasons where you kind of knew that they were going to screw it up at the end and it's like the opposite it's just like it's going to look like they're going to screw it up and you know that they're just going to pull it out and it'll be fine but like it's very nerve-wracking and weird yeah uh let's do some listener note nugs uh, again at the apc pod on twitter or the apc podcast at gmail.com and alex you had mentioned clowny uh, Harvey tweets in uh, with his note. Did anyone else notice Jake Kumro just own Clowney on that goal line touchdown by Jones? Chef's kiss. I uh, I didn't see it in, in real time, but Alex, have you seen the footage since then? I, I, I've seen it making the rounds on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I saw it. It was it was a nice job. You know, at the goal line there, your job is to basically block for like a second. So, and I'm not saying it's an easy task to do against Clowney, so... That's a good job by Kumaro making a play in a game he was otherwise, uh, I don't know, I would say very average, if not like unnoticeable in. Average. I, yeah. Pretty poor, Un- I guess. Unnoticeable, I think. is. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how much he was on the field, honestly. I think he made a special teams tackle that I noticed, but that was That's about good. It. Yeah. good for him. Saw Oren Burks make some uh, special teams plays. It was nice to see him get in on, on, on the action. But no, speaking of the wide receivers, not to get too far off track with the note nugs, I wanted to uh, to drop this this nugget on you. Devontae Adams had 160 yards. Um, how many yards receiving did the rest of the Packers' wide receivers have combined? You're not counting uh, Jimmy Graham? No, wide receivers. MVS had a, had like a four yarder, and I he, I guess he had the other one, right? Geronimo Allison had the other one. Oh yeah, no, Geronimo yeah. Allison had the third down conversion. So I, okay, so it's more like uh, twelve Allison, or fifteen. Allison 19. didn't have two catches. Nope, he had one catch for eleven yards. It was a clutch catch, but it was yeah, just they, one. Yeah. But the the offense was uh, was Rogers and Adams all day, and no one else. And Lazard uh, went out with an ankle injury uh, part of the way through, and uh, he came back. Uh, in the second half, on the sideline, ready to go, and they just they uh, they just must have decided they don't they didn't need him. I don't know. Yeah, and there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of passing out of the backfield either. Yeah. Um, but you know, what ifs? You know, all's well that ends well, right? Indeed. Moving on, Lauren tweets in his note nug. I should say this year's ABC podcast listener pick'em winner. Lauren tweets in. You ever notice how similar? To 2014, this team feels mostly healthy, a buy in the playoffs, and a rematch of an opponent that spanked them earlier. Hopefully, this NFC Championship rematch is different. Well, I don't know. We uh, we we'll, we'll get there again a little bit uh, later in the week, but um, yeah, they got spanked. There's no other way to put it, and uh, they got to play much much better if they're going to stand a chance. They got spanked by the Seahawks that year. All right, Google break. They lost 36 to 16 um, at Seattle uh, in 2014 to open the season. And then the next season, they played them week one again, and Corey Lindsley came in out of nowhere and kind of owned that front three. Second game of the season, they won 27 to 17. The following um, season. Yeah, at Green okay. Bay. That's a thing um, that I didn't realize that I noticed um, in looking up some stats when I was on a Seahawks pod. Uh, last week was that the that uh, Russell Wilson has never won at Lambeau and, yeah. and the Packers in that same time have never won uh, in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. Just going back to the note nug for a second, referencing the 2014 championship game. Uh, one thing that surprised me today: the Packers were bigger underdogs going into that game than they actually are going into San Francisco. Wow. Um, so, like, I understand that that's an incredibly heartbreaking game, and I'm not saying sign me up for a loss. 
but the Packers controlled that game and you know base had to choke it away in in tragic fashion. Yeah, I'll sign up for like even getting the chance to go to overtime against the 49ers this time around. And it's crazy yeah. that Las Vegas feels that there was a bigger gap between those Packers and that year's Seahawks team than this year's Niners team and the Packers, which again makes makes me feel a little better. Well, that brings up an interesting question: is that is that Vegas being d- down on the seat on the Niners? Because I don't think any Vegas should have seen anything last night that would make them be higher on the Packers, right? Right. I, so is this is this it. just is this just Vegas being like, well, okay, Jimmy G is gonna gonna drop an egg at some point? Like, I don't know what what's the bookie logic there. Look how Vegas's version of Jimmy G dropping an egg is that they're only seven and a half point favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, maybe they're just like baiting people, like the public, into thinking, like coming off of like seeing Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers, and like t- into taking the Packers plus seven and a half. Well, and that's the, the other mind smoked, game that like, people don't talk about when it comes to the lines in Vegas is that they they fluctuate based on action. how people are betting, and yeah, they're trying to influence people to to pay yeah. into a certain stream. But I mean, they're yeah, not that they're not right most of the time. They are. <laughs> it just shocked me because I remember going into that Seahawks game. Maybe I was just like a more naive fan, but actually kind of confident, thinking like the result in the regular season is not was not representative of like, you know, the difference between the teams and everything. Yeah, maybe like that's easy. That's that's easy when when it's a week one thing, and it's also easy. It's easy when it's a week one game. You know, if if that if that Niners game from this regular season was the first week of the season, we would not be anywhere near as scared of this game going into it as we are. That's true. That's a good point. That's some that's some good perspective from a strangely reclining Ben Foldy. Right I was just now. gonna say you gotta get a screenshot of this. This is oh, the uh, <laughs> this is the Sean McVay Sean McVay off season. There like, we go. I'm done for the year. You see better you believe in, I got that uh, screenshot. See you in July. I left my house 14 hours ago. Wow. Just, like, so start my day. Arranging. I got gotcha. you at the APC pod on Instagram. That's where everyone can find the picture that I just took. <laughs> So that's one thing, and then the I mean, but here's the other thing: is that 2014 Aaron Rodgers is a much different animal than 2019 slash 2020 Aaron Rodgers, and you know we don't need to belabor that point any more than we already have. I mean, the other thing too is that I was watching I was watching playoffs uh, the highlights from that game yesterday because I just wanted to re-traumatize myself, <laughs> and you know Rodgers is throwing to Jordy and. And uh, Devante and like he's th- he's not throwing to scrubs in that game. Um, so anyway, I, all that's to say, once Lazard got hurt, if you think that for what you know, if you think that that Adams is probably shadowed, or you know, I don't I don't know if San Francisco is still playing Sherman only on one side of the field, but if you think that. All of whatever whatever the, the 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 focal point of the of the 49ers secondary is gonna be focused on on shutting down Devontae Adams. And if that's not going, I don't know what is, you know? Yeah, like I, I'm right. not I'm not super confident in the uh, Packers offense after the last game. Last thing, uh before we move on from this, because I saw Rob Domofsky uh tweet this and post this. Because this is where I f- realized that they were bigger underdogs against the Seahawks that year. Anytime Aaron Rodgers has been uh, a touchdown or more underdog uh, in the postseason, they've covered. Because they were also big underdogs, don't forget, when they got absolutely embarrassed by the Cardinals in the regular season and then lost in uh, in overtime. Yeah. Um, 
to them when they had the when we had the double hail mary thing. So like, oh, that this, season. This isn't that unprecedented um, for them to get their asses kicked by an NFC West team, face them again um, as as pretty significant underdogs in the postseason, and then play much better when their season's on the line. So, and lose you know. to them in overtime. So we know yeah, what to so expect. Yeah, so basically it's a walk-off win for <laughs> San Francisco. Right, all Let's right. not even do the second show. Forget yeah, it. All right. No, 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 no. What if it happens? I mean, what if? What do we do? What do we I do if cry. it's, if, if it's an overtime loss? I mean... <sighs> we will cross that bridge when we do not get to it because it's not going to happen, damn it. Um, but right. let's, let's, let's dial back. Let's pull back from, from, from next week and, and finish off um this show uh continuing to talk about this week get a little bit more analysis and this um was such an exciting game i still haven't come down from it yet alex you mentioned that uh, you haven't physically re- recovered from it um so we'll get to some matchup analysis with uh with the 49ers guests later in the week but for the duration of the show today i just thought we'd sort of open up the floor and talk more generally about um some highlights from from this game uh and there's a lot of back and forth, and, and you mentioned it early, earlier, Alex. There's a lot of back and forth online about the spot on the Jimmy Graham third down conversion in the fourth quarter. I'm honestly, I'm shocked, um, though perhaps I shouldn't be, at the number of reasonable people that I've seen, pundits and otherwise, who think Graham was short because the yellow line is gospel. It's just not true. The yellow line is not gospel. That you can see that the yellow line is wrong in that it's almost a foot further than it should be in that instance and it's just weird to me that people would would i i don't know it's it's maybe it's not weird maybe it's just all clickbait and and it's typical and i should expect it but um i don't know what what do you make of that i mean uh, so first thing why do they purposefully make the yellow line very inaccurate because it's probably not that hard to make it like a better estimate the cameras are moving all the time and if you watch enough football you'll see the superimposed lines and graphics they move too they wiggle sometimes players will run into them and they'll be like the line will like half cut like it's not perfect yeah it's just superimposed on the field the cameras are moving and i don't know i I don't think I'm sounding particularly tinfoil hat in defending the spot of this ball because no. if you go back and look at this, the actual shot of where the actual marker is, the point of the marker, it's much closer, certainly a close call. Well, I, I think the bet, okay, so the NFL created, uh, you know, had like a technological enhancement specifically for this, and it's that pylon that sits at exactly the line to gain that has cameras in it. Yeah, the cam. So we have an exact angle. Was that like, the additional footage, the second spitter? <laughs> well, but the show. additional footage sounded like, like it was gonna doom us. Like, I, I mean, didn't your heart just like jump the right. second they like came back and almost reversed a non-reversed call? I mean, right? Yeah, we have we have received a text message from Roger Goodell. I mean, additional footage, and we're gonna review that. <laughs> but it's also it's like it's like what? So so he was short. Like the alternative hypothesis here is that he was short by five inches, and the Packers what can't gain five inches like i don't yeah i mean just don't give up don't give up nine and a half yards on that play i'm sorry i'm sorry it yeah nine like nine and five nine and five six yards like yeah. it was not like anyway it's just the game the game was decided before that i think it yeah. looked pretty clear that he got it yeah like from the the only angle that actually ended up mattering yeah so, yeah which look you know. i mean look if if that call was much less egregious than the lost fumble that wasn't. 
give me a break. Like, oh my we don't, god. We don't we don't need to harp on that, but like don't act like the Packers like got a ton of gifts from the refs all game because yeah. they didn't. Yeah. Uh I I don't want to harp on the fumble, but I do want to um I do want to ask uh because so and you guys can explain this to 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 my ignorant self, but I don't understand why the Packers challenge the ruling on the field. The refs admit that they got the call wrong and the sort of reshuffling the 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 new decision is not totally to the Packers benefit but they still acknowledge that they got the call wrong and so they took and and yet they took a timeout away from the Packers a timeout that later in that half did end up mattering i believe and I, yeah, I get that you have to like get all elements of the challenge right. Like you have to challenge a very specific thing, but it just seems the spirit of that rule. I'm just confused as to like we you you the ref acknowledge that you did your job wrong, and we had to stop play and make you review that to acknowledge that, and you did that, and you still took a timeout. It just seemed just feels wrong. I don't know. Am I an idiot? <laughs> no, it's the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, NFL gonna NFL, I guess. If there's a way to have an arbitrarily like unfair, stupid rule that you know is utterly inflexible in the face of common sense, I mean, you were watching last week, right? When the that incredibly bizarre call was it the Texans where they took the the um took the kickoff in the end zone and tossed the ball no. to the ref oh, and God. like and the refs are just like, well. This is fucking stupid here. <laughs> like, but this is the letter of the really like here's a completely unreasonable interpretation of this of this rule. Like I mean and, and great I mean to the NFL's credit, they did not let that derail, you know, an otherwise common sense kind of decision. But this this seemed to be so here's my read of what happened is that the refs blew that play dead too early and then you know, did not treat it after the fact as if it was legitimately a fumble and therefore did not feel like they were in a place where they, you know, there wasn't any reason why they couldn't have seen a clear recovery unless they weren't (laughs) treating it like a fumble in the first place, which they weren't. So I understand that they had to kind of cover for themselves, but why that should also cost Green Bay a timeout is a, is a, you know, a classic NFL defiance of common sense kind of interpretation of a of a stupid like i mean it's just whatever i mean it's something every year right i mean weren't you at least in the past not able to challenge that though like to avoid this to challenge whether or not something was a fumble if they blew it dead even though if they were wrong that that wasn't like a challengeable play if they blew it dead they were supposed to let it go so like by changing that rule and allowing the packers to challenge that you're basically creating a scenario going into it where it's like, well, it could be a fumble, but this fumble is never going to have a recovery. Like every fumble should have a recovery. Either you shouldn't be able to challenge it, so it becomes a fumble. Well, that should—that's the real issue. Is they should have just said, "Look, we're not going to know. Like we 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 screwed it up, and we won't know anyway, because you know, like like that didn't change from the replay, right? Like that call wasn't made on the replay." That's a call that they would have had to have made that judgment at the moment of the of the judgment, right? So, yeah, it's it seems easy to me to just let like to just like really kind of you know uh, emphasize with your referees to let those plays go on. It's yeah. so because then it's so easy yeah. to just look at the because turnovers are reviewable anyway. You're not going to cost the Seahawks a challenge, like 
um, you know, just let that go on every single time unless it's like the most blatantly obvious thing ever, which it totally wasn't. Um, and then, you know, the co- call will correct itself. That's not a hard thing to do. It's happening in other sports. Like, like even in soccer, right? They have this VAR, which is like ruining the sport and like offsides totally. is now reviewable with VAR. But they, every single time, even I would say in anything that's not, except like the most egregious offsides ever, they let the play go on to see if the guy scores in case they were wrong on the field. That should yeah. have happened there. Like they, Jair Alexander created a turnover on the first fucking play of the game, <laughs> which they, was huge. They, they were doing a much better job of that in the regular season. I mean, there were a couple of moments this season where I remember the refs kind of clearly looking like they were letting something go because they were going to sort it out after the fact. Um, the one that comes to mind is the Brashad Breland um, fumble recovery on the goal line that he ran 100 yards downfield. Um and like that's a classic play that like the NFL would have managed to screw up in years prior, and it does seem that they've really like kind of made an effort on that. And it was unfortunate that it didn't come into play on this case. Anyway, I also said that we shouldn't harp on this, and we've now officially harped on it. I mean, but. it's it's hard not to, and it's not whatever they overcame. It's it's I'm just I'm not that salty about it. I just think it's just so stupid. Like that rule needs yeah. to change. If it, I would. I'd probably we'd probably argue about it if that was the other if that was the Chiefs Texans game, just at the sheer stupidity of it. Like, how could you not? Um, whatever. All right. Well, uh, let's let's switch to a positive note before we get out of here and and just uh, pick some some plays that we don't need to harp on how uh, infuriating they were. Alex, anything come to mind for you in this game? Well, the uh, we talked about the Jimmy one, but the the first third and long conversion on the closeout drive to Devontae Adams um, was just incredible. It was an incredible yeah. throw. Rodgers still did a little bit of the fadeaway. It was just perfect ball placement. And then to learn after that that is something that they improvised um, between them is just incredible. Like, I Mind love that we're meld. sitting here... <laughs> Like asking Lafleur questions about like huge plays, like oh, when you called this, and he's just like, but I didn't go. Like that's not, it wasn't me. Like you yeah. know, like he's just like kind of along for the ride at some points with us, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, that, again, that was just like some one of the many good things about Aaron Rodgers, and a terrible job by the Seahawks to leave that guy. I forgot his name, twenty eight, I think, in the slot, like super vulnerable to be getting beat by. Devontae Adams <laughs> like um but that play was awesome and uh Roger's accuracy was as good as it's been in I don't know how long like I, I maybe the Raiders game this year or was was he even that great in that game or were they just terrible um that was old school Rogers type in terms of ball yeah. placement down the field yeah. I saw he didn't he was perfect on passes over 10 yards and that was a very difficult one so that uh, number number 28 uh is Ugo Amadi Amadi. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, don't feel bad, Amadi. There's a lot of guys who can't cover 17. Yeah. Um, so get mad at your coaches for that, I guess. Yeah. Pete Carroll, who inexplicably just runs base defense like 95% of the time. That's the the biggest complaint, I think, from from Pete Carroll. If we were going back to earlier in the show, uh, if I'm a Seahawks fan. Um, I'm upset about the offense, but Pete Carroll as the as the head coach and kind of the defensive... Uh, mastermind, if you will. I've heard this complaint a lot. Um, 
calling the defense as if they're still the Legion of Boom and they're just not. <laughs> Didn't you think in like almost the way where um, other teams playing the Packers kind of knew what their offense was going to do like before the snap, even just fans, the Seahawks defense felt like like when the Packers are at the line of scrimmage, it's almost just like a average fan like like me, like I'm watching it. I could even see where they were going to be exposed. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, it wasn't very difficult. So I imagine it was super easy for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron like, Rodgers oh. coming off a game with like a double digit overthrows. All he needed to do was just just to just be on was to just be a little bit more accurate. And it was he was going to be able to to make some plays. It just felt like he kind of knew where he was going to go with the ball before the snap, which was nice. Yeah. And I think it enabled him to get the ball out quicker. And yep. his guys won the matchups they were expected to win. And again, like you were saying, that's just because the Seattle defense was kind of predictable. Yeah. So. Foldy, uh, before we get out of here um, and put this one to bed, moving on to San Francisco here in a couple of days, uh, do you have any other any other Packers plays from this game that come to mind as kind of highlights that we haven't touched on yet or, or things you liked? I mean, the first touchdown, I think, uh, with Devontae running the sluggo and supposedly, I guess, uh, Rodgers himself put that in with yeah. the... Uh, that was like the, the fake cross. Is that what that was? Yeah, the like fake rub out, rub out route on, on the left. And then <laughs> that was um, nasty. Yeah, I mean, that was just a fantastic. I mean, it was a fantastic play, fantastic play call, fantastic execution. Um, that whole opening drive, honestly, was kind of like that. But um, it's good. It's good to see that, that you know, it's good to know that Rodgers is still thinking critically about how to win football games and like speaking up and 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 thinking within the like personnel and the scheme that they have and 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 watching enough film to kind of see something that he likes um you know i mean dude's a savant i think that's clearly established but um yeah i mean it's just it's it's he he toyed with him at that at that particular juncture i think it's the other the other plays that i i thought pretty Felt pretty good about mostly involved. Um, I thought both Kevin King and Jair played pretty good games, and uh, it was nice to see them in conjunction and and see the yeah, just to see the defense in general kind of getting stuck in like that. Yeah, and uh, we are gonna get uh, stuck into the end of the show. No, the, I failed. Didn't I work. Was, hey, it didn't work. Good try. <laughs> tried. <laughs> I tried. Thanks. Foldy comforts me as he reclines and lets out a hearty on NFC championship bound. The Green Bay Packers are. I don't know why I'm talking like Yoda now, but um, NFC championship bound. The Packers are getting ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers and uh, avenge the spanking from earlier in the season. We will see if they can. And um, to... Uh, Break that all down ahead of time for you guys with plenty of time uh, before the weekend. We are going to be back in a couple days uh, with a guest who covers the 49ers. And, uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll see you then. Until then, just uh, you know, keep sipping that one single glass of scotch that you've been nursing for the last, last uh, 24 hours here. And, um, you know, get some rest. Recover. Get a cl- get. Make sure that there's a clear recovery. As uh, Ben's cat steps on camera. Oh, hi, Yushka. <laughs> All right, we're off the rails now. All right, go pack, go. We'll see you later, guys. See Soak you later it up. On. Peace. <laughs>